Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett, and on today's episode, we have the lovely, the amazing Miss Kate Toon. So Kate is an expert when it comes to all things SEO, SEO copywriting, and how can copywriters, how can business owners take these skills and actually make sure that they show up on the most used search engine that there is, Google. So if you're someone who's doing SEO, if you've thought about doing SEO, if you've wondered how can I rank better on Google, how can I make people like me better on Google, this is the episode for you. You will not want to miss that. And of course, if we can help you with anything when it comes to your advertising and marketing on top of, once you get your SEO sorted, if you want paid ads, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, and we can help you get that rocking and rolling, head over to marketingmogul.com.au where we are there to help you with all of your needs. But until then, let's jump into the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you making the time. Uh, thank you ever so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Me too. I know we had to reschedule a couple of times and move things around, so I'm glad we could make this happen. I'm pretty excited. So, Kate, but I, I like to start this podcast off the same way every time, which is if I met you at a party and we were having a couple of glasses of wine and I said, Kate, what is it that you actually do? What's, the, what's your go-to answer? Oh, why is that question so hard? I would need a couple of glasses of wine to answer it. So I guess I would say that I am the founder of three companies that focus on digital education. And my whole goal is to help people use digital marketing to build a better business, be more successful and have a nice life. I mean, that's a bit of a USP tagline kind of thing, but it sums it up. Yeah, beautiful. So break them down. So you've got three businesses kind of in uh, like a, a myriad of different areas. Like share, share with us a little bit more about those. Yeah, so there's three core areas. The first one is the Clever Copywriting School, and that's kind of an online learning hub for copywriters on how to write better, but also be better business people. And it's got directories and shops and a conference and a membership, all the usual things uh, that entrepreneurs do these days. And then the Recipe for SEO Success is kind of my flagship course where I teach small business owners and e-commerce stores how to get more relevant traffic and more conversions from the Google beast. And then finally, kind of my hub brand, the Kate Toon brand is where I have my membership, the Digital Master Chefs. And again, that's kind of teaching people who aren't copywriters, everything but copywriters, how to just use digital marketing. It's so overwhelming. There's so much you could do, so many channels. Should you be focusing on Clubhouse or email marketing? What should you be doing with your digital marketing to build your brand and your business? Hmm, I love that. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What should a business owner be doing in 2021 when we're recording this? What are, what are some of the good opportunities out there for business owners and copywriters alike? But what, like, what do you see as some of the things? Because I know, I think when we first connected was on Clubhouse and I'll be honest, I was just like, oh, this seems like a whole lot of hard work to me. So I just like, have it over on the side and haven't probably logged on since the last time I saw you on there. Yeah. I mean, look, there's always going to be a shiny new thing and 
Clubhouse, I think, was very exciting. They're just about to launch Android as we're, we're publishing this podcast. So I think there'll be a renewed interest in that. But it's just one of many channels. And if your audience isn't there and if you don't have the time for it, if it doesn't suit your business, it's not the right one for you. And I think that's the most important thing to think about. Where is your audience? Where do you work best? I think Clubhouse is great for business coaches and people who have courses and things. Not so great for workaday graphic designers. So, I mean, I think in 2021, it's a little bit of old stuff and a little bit of new stuff. I still think that SEO is the bomb. I'm doing some keyword research today. It's painful, but we know that, I can't remember the statistic, I'll make one up. Something like 70% of all transactions start with a Google search. At the end of the day, when you really want something, you head to Google. You don't wait for it to pop up on Instagram or hope that you see a relevant TikTok. You're on the Google searching for the thing. So I still think SEO has huge power and there's still a lot we can do. SEO is not dead. And then after that, for me, and I think you'd agree that one of the most powerful uh, methods of getting your message across now is video. Every platform offers us ample opportunities to be TV hosts. I mean, 10 years ago, you'd have dreamed of it. We can have our own show. We can connect our face to our message on every single social media platform and the immediacy and the intimacy of that, I think is super powerful. So I would still, if I had to pick two, I'd still say SEO and video. I love that. Now, can you unpack for me a little bit what is SEO in 2021? Because I know a lot of people, like for me, I know that I suck at SEO. I remember when it very first came out, that my breadth of knowledge of SEO was like, I'm going to write all the keywords that I want to show up for in white text on a white page on my website back in the day. And I just did that and I and ranked it used for a to few work. <laughs> Exactly. I was like, what happened since then? But I know because a lot of people talk about different things when it comes to SEO and there's a whole different range. But I think... Sometimes it's been lost in what people thought it like looked like before and now like what's like what's SEO in twenty twenty one actually actually look like? Well, unfortunately, SEO has a super bad reputation, partially because we all get those emails saying, greetings of the day, I can uh, guarantee <laughs> yeah. you. And that doesn't seem to happen in any other industry. I don't get those from designers or accountants or copywriters. So it has a bad rep. And I think that's because in the early days, a lot of these kind of black hat techniques, you mentioned one then, the white copy, they did work. You know, Google wasn't very sophisticated. All you had to do was say, banana, 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 and you ranked for banana. Since then, the algorithm has evolved light years and Google still has 92% of market share for search engines uh, worldwide and it's it's even higher in Australia. So they are the dominant player and they have put thousands, millions of dollars into making that algorithm super clever so that it stops people tricking. It wants to deliver the best result to the customer. And so it's not about being tricksy. It's about being transparent and open. SEO in 2021, it's no different to SEO in 1999 when I started in that all this kind of tricksy stuff work then it doesn't work now google's eradicated that by doing these algorithm updates and so really my site has never stopped ranking because i never did any of the naughty stuff do you know what i mean it's about choosing keywords that match your searcher intent if someone wants to find kim barrett you actually are quite good at seo you're there you're number one if someone knows who you are already and you've done some work on your personal branding they will find you. The difficult bit is people finding you for what you do rather than who you are. And that's not about being tricksy or hiring black hat SEOs. It's about putting out good, relevant content that solves customer problems, soothes their pain point, makes a connection. It's conversion focused, is entertaining, 
and leads them to a benefit and a result. And if you do that, it sounds boring. It's like, oh, but actually that's incredibly hard to do and do well. So it's, it's not that it's technically complex. It's that most people can't be bothered to create the kind of content that Google wants to see. And you touched on something there, obviously, where there's the reputation early on was kind of uh, a bit hard. But I mean, how do you see and what do you kind of think of now where you've got still got quite big, especially in Australia, digital marketing companies, I'll call them in inverted commas, who are going out there selling like 24 month packages and like guaranteed like page one of Google. Can two questions to that, like number one, can you still get to the coveted page one of Google for a, for a search term that you're looking for. If you go there and everyone's promising that I'm going to get you on page one, so every and like rank number one on for all these people, is it still possible to kind of push through all these people and, and get up on there? And what does like what sort of length of time does it actually take? Well, I think the really reputable SEO companies do not offer guarantees. They don't. And if they do, that's an immediate red flag. So most SEO companies will not really even touch too much on ranking. They'll be really looking at money. They'll be saying, hey, what's your, what kind of money do you want to be making? Currently making five grand, you'd like to make 10. Okay, what are your conversion rates? What are you currently ranking for? If we can shift you from position seven to position three, that might be enough. You might not need to get to number one. You're going to get X amount more traffic. You know your conversion rate is 3.6% and you know your average shopping cart is blah. So we don't need to get you to number one. We just need to get you to here. And it's not just for one keyword. It's for multiple keywords. So most good SEO companies will not talk in terms of guarantees and they will not focus only on ranking because another great metric of SEO is not necessarily improving your ranking but improving your conversion rate optimization. The fact that maybe you hit your homepage and it's not clear what you do or where I should go next. I could tweak that and improve your bottom line. SEO is all about bottom line, not just ranking. So I think to choose a good agency, you look at one that's interested in talking about the money. And I know you love talking about the money. So not just talking about vanity metrics. In terms of can you get there? Yeah. I mean, companies like Commonwealth Bank and NAB and Westpac send thousands on SEO, even though they're all competing for the word bank loan and they're all right at the top. But all it takes is for one of them to move to the top spot for a couple of days and that could hit their bottom line massively. So yeah, it just depends on the amount of time you have and the amount of effort you're willing to make. In terms of the time period, the reason why a lot of SEO companies will lock you in for at least six months is because a lot of the work in the first three months is fixing the technical errors on your site, looking at your existing keywords, optimizing pages, building backlinks, and you're not really going to see much return on your investment in that first three months. It's really not until week, month, month six, month eight, month nine that you start to see the fruits of your labor. And how long it takes depends on how competitive the keyword is. Like if you're a plumber in Sydney, good luck to you. You've got it pretty hard. But if you're a meditation guru in Collaroy, it could take a matter of weeks for you to go above the other meditation experts because they don't know what the hell they're doing. So it depends on your competition, the keywords you're going after and how full on the market is and how much money the other people are spending and how much they know. I love that. There's some great insights there. Now I have to ask, because I'm just curious, of all the things in digital marketing, being a pretty savvy person yourself, 
why did you choose what I like to call the unsexy side of, <laughs> of, of advertising and marketing in, in SEO? Like what drove you down that path? Because I think a lot of people hearing it, they're like, well, obviously like Kate is very articulate, knows what she's talking about. And now like you kind of put yourself in a pool where you're competing with every person in India in the whole SEO, in the whole SEO field. What made you want to go down, uh, go down that path and really obviously not only get good, but then be able to teach other people that area as well? It's a great question. I, I think there's a number of reasons. Number one, I was a copywriter. So I started my business as a copywriter back in 2009 and I had worked in agencies and there were a lot of other copywriters. So I literally had to learn. I'd already done SEO for big brands like Pedigree Chum, but I hadn't applied it to a small business. So I, I used my superpower on my own business, got to number one, had a very successful copywriting business, but there was only so much I could do. Time exchanging time for money. It doesn't work in the long term. So then I looked around to see how could I niche so I could really put my rates up as much as possible. I became a specialist and SEO was something I could niche in. There weren't many SEO copywriters in Australia. There weren't really any females and there weren't any really cool, funny, amazing females. I'm joking. <laughs> so it was a niche. And then in terms of the teaching, it was a bit of seeing the market opportunity, but also have got a bit of a, a sort of savior mentality. I was sick of seeing people getting screwed over. I was sick of the snake oil. And so I went out there with the message of it's teachable, it's doable by anybody, and there is no magic juju. And believe me, Kim, when I started that about seven years ago, I got a huge backlash. I got like slagged off in groups and really, really ripped apart by certain people who now all have SEO courses, which is quite ironic, um, because I felt like I was giving away the secret because the secret with SEO is there is no secret. It's just the process. It, just like having good email marketing, there's no secret. You can learn a process, you can try A-B testing, but there's no secret. There's no Google thing that I know that you couldn't find out. And so I think it was a combination of those two things, seeing a gap, wanting to be able to try and make some passive income from education products, and wanting to be a bit of a savior. And I still find myself going into rooms on things like Clubhouse and saying, that's not true, and then getting booted out. But I try not to do that as much anymore. <laughs> I don't reckon you do it. You try not to do it. I reckon you still like to do it and jump in. <laughs> I do, I do, I do. Uh, I love that. Okay, cool. And so, and when you talk about it, obviously we know that it's gonna be a painstaking process somewhat, like you're gonna to have to go through it and do these things. Is there an 80-20 in the world of SEO and SEO copywriting where it's like, cool, like there's a couple of key areas. If you kill it there, that's, that does a lot of the heavy lifting and then you've got the consistency over time, obviously that comes in as well. What's kind of the 80-20 in the SEO copywriting world? Well, I think in SEO generally, I love that expression, 80-20. Yeah, I mean, look, the basics are speed your site up. If you speed your site up by a couple of seconds, boom, mic drop. You could have a massive impact. Make sure your site is super mobile friendly. If you look at your statistics, you'll probably find 50, 60% of people are now looking at your site on a mobile. And lots of sites really haven't caught up with that. Their site is still, it kind of looks okay, but it's not usable. It's really hard to click the buttons and get the thing. So, you know, speed, responsiveness, huge. Work on that. You could see a massive difference really quickly. And then to your 80-20 point, absolutely. We know with like e-commerce stores and with websites, 20% of the pages and products are delivering 80% of the revenue. So it's not like you need to go through every single item that you stock 
from 1984, you look at your top performing products, you see how you can optimize those, not just from an SEO point of view, but from a conversion rate optimization. You know, could you make the product descriptions more detailed? Could you add video? Could you add more photos? You work on those 10, 20 products, and it's like a rising tide lifting all boats. Those, those quality posts and pages will lift the whole site up. And then the final, I mean, there's a lot more to it, but the final big thing you can look at is kind of being slightly less navel-gazy about your own site and actually thinking about what you can do on other people's sites. So building your reputation on other people's websites through guest posting, podcasting, appearing at events, and getting links from their site to your site. That's going to build up your authority and could see you ranking much quicker than someone that's toiling away trying to publish a blog post every week. You get 10 quality backlinks from good, relevant websites. You could really see an impact on your site very, very quickly. I think that's so important. I, uh, I always knew it was important and I've kind of done okay at getting backlinks in certain sites and stuff like that. But I definitely haven't kind of looked at analyzed any of our data so i know i've got heaps of uh heaps of room for improvement on my stuff to do <laughs> but you're already doing it and you're doing it the right way because yes you can go out there and kind of make a list of sites and then try and build links in that kind of laborious outreach way but because you are building a reputation for being somebody in the know People are linking to your content without you even having to try. People are inviting you on their shows. People are asking you to speak at their events. So you are doing it through reputation, which is really the better way to do it. It's more organic. Google doesn't like paid links. It doesn't really like really engineered links. It wants to you to do exactly what you're doing. So I give you permission to keep doing what you're doing. Okay, cool. All right, good. Yeah, easy. I don't have too much homework after this episode, then that's great. <laughs> Normally, after after every time I have a guest, I'm like, oh, cool. I have so much things to do now. I'm like, guys in the office, please all watch this episode and do everything Kate says. <laughs> that's uh, that's their, their homework from this episode. For a business owner then, how do they, as you mentioned, like you've got to go and do this hectic job of keyword research today. Where do they start with that? Because obviously, this, you've got a small business or a small business owner and they're going, cool. I kind of like, I kind of know or I think I know what people search for when they come to me, but maybe as well, because we have a lot of service-based business owners who are probably not as connected in the, on the e-com side where they're like, cool, this is our top product type thing. But they're like, I get some, some weeks I get calls, some weeks I don't get calls, some weeks I get web inquiries, some weeks I don't. For them, how do they go and actually figure out what people are searching for to come and find them? It's such a great question. I mean, there's a few really kind of easy ways. <laughs> it sounds really dumb, but you can ask people. So one thing I highly recommend, this is a piece of homework for everybody after the show, is on your contact form, just go and add another field which says, what did you type into Google to find me? Yeah, because most people will have, how did you find me? And it'll be like email, recommendation, Google. I have another field that pops up if they select Google that says, what did you type into Google to find me? Because they just did it like two seconds ago. They remember. You can get great insight from that into keyword phrases that you would never have thought about. Um, again, I just read a statistic because I'm doing this report that said 11% of all searches that Google sees each year, they have never seen before. So it's not like, you know, you think that there's only a finite amount of phrases that people will type in, but it's infinite, really infinite. So that's one way. Ask people. Obviously, there are tools you can use. SEM Rush is a favorite of mine. Uh, they have a trial that you can do where you literally pop your site in and it will tell you what you're ranking for. And you can see, therefore, how people are probably finding you. If you have Google Search Console, you can, again, see what you're ranking for and what's delivering traffic to your site. So that will give you some insight. And then in terms of 
okay, this is what I'm already ranking well for. What are the other opportunities? I mean, really, it depends, especially for service-based businesses. There are kind of two different types of search to think about. Local SEO, do you service a particular area? If you're a locksmith in Wollongong, really, there's, there's not that many keywords you can go after. There's only so many ways you can skin that cat. So that's going to be about building a really great Google My Business page, uh, building up a reputation in your local area, sponsoring the local football club for some brand awareness and a backlink. That's that kind. There's not much you can do. You don't need traffic from America or England. It's not relevant. So it's simpler for you. It can be harder depending on how big your local area is, but it's simpler. If you're a service-based business that services the world, you need to A, look at like phrases that people would type in who want to work with you. But remember, you talk about this, I know, in your groups and stuff. Not everybody's ready to buy today. Some people are just looking for questions that they've got problems. They read a blog post that you wrote or an article and they go, oh, I'm going to remember that person for when I am ready to buy. So you can think about content in different ways. It can feel overwhelming. But the funny thing about keyword research is you can spend hours analyzing the tools, looking at the data, the volume, the difficulty. And generally, the list you came up with when you started is the list you end up with when you finish because it's common sense nine times out of 10. Sorry, that was a very long answer. But in short, <laughs> common sense, common sense plays a big, important role. Yeah, unfortunately, it's just not that common, right? That's yeah, that's it. But there um, is no, I think <laughs> the thing to let people know as well is there's no magic keyword. And one keyword is not the answer. So my uh, ex-husband was obsessed with ranking for French Lessons Sydney. That was If he didn't rank for that, he was like, I'm doomed. And then I look at his report and he, he's ranking okay for that, but he was ranking brilliantly for 200 other keywords that he wasn't even aware of that were variations on that phrase. So there's no such thing as a golden keyword. It's really important to remember that. And what's your opinion on people using voice for search now does that mean that that throws out the like we have to kind of obviously not only ascertain that what we're typing in but then what people are voicing as well and like is that a whole like other kind of kettle of fish coming up it, it, it isn't it isn't i mean you should be writing copy that's super conversational so you should be writing in the voice of your audience the example i always give is i worked with R randwick council on their seo and they wanted to call their red lid bins uh, something something garbage receptacles and I had to persuade them that that's not what people are saying yeah so as long as the language on your site mirrors the language of your audience you'll be okay voice search is a different element altogether though a lot of people don't use voice search to search they will often use it for location searches pizza best pizza place in Randwick but a lot of Voice search is very personal and very unusual. It's like, why do I have a rash in my armpit? Hey, Siri, why do cows do that? It's not, I don't know if that many people use voice search if they're about to make a purchase. That's the statistics we see. I don't think many people go, hey, Siri, who offers the best SEO course in Australia? You know, because you need to look at the page and you need to read stuff. And often voice search will only return one or two results as well. So the way that, people use voice search at the moment is usually from very immediate and very personal searches, not necessarily for conversion searches. So we don't need to worry about it too much yet. But when you do start to worry about it, all the same things apply. Fast sight, mobile friendly, relevant copy that mirrors your audience's language. Perfect. I love that. And now, Kate, as we're getting towards the end of our time here together, I always like to ask the same question. 
which is what's the question that I didn't ask you that I should have? Oh, we just sparked Siri off. He just went off. <laughs> there we go. Talking of voice search. What's the question that you didn't ask that you should have asked? I love that question. Oh, Siri. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm going to sit on my phone. You can't ask Siri that question, okay? That's cheating. <laughs> okay. I think the question you should have asked is, you know, does anybody have a special relationship with Google? People refer to themselves as a Google partner. And people kind of have all these logos on their site that implies they have a connection with Google that's a little bit closer than the rest of us. And the important thing to note is no one has a special relationship with Google. Google has no SEO certification. It recommends no agencies. Being a Google partner means that you have done an AdWords certification and that's paid search, which is completely different. And while it helps, you know, understanding the terminology of SEO, it's nothing to do with SEO. The paid search and organic is completely separate. So I think for those people who are out there who are trying to find, obviously I, advo I advocate education and DIY SEO because most people can't afford the two, three grand a month that an SEO agency is going to ask of you. But if you are wanting to work with an SEO agency, don't go for one that offers guarantees. Don't go for one that focuses just on ranking. They focus on revenue. And don't believe the hype when they talk about working directly with Google because it's just not true. I love that. Some great takeaways there. And now, Kate, for all the people listening, they're like, this Kate chick's pretty cool. I want to find out more about what she's up to. What What's the best place for people to connect with you online and find about more, more about what you've got going on? Well, hopefully I'm pretty good at SEO. So if you type Kate Toon, <laughs> T-O-O-N, you'll either find a dentist in Ipswich in the UK or you'll find me. I I'm not the dentist. I'm the other one. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Awesome. So guys, if you've been listening to this episode and you're like, mm, I like the cut of Kate's jib, then please go and connect with her, search her up on Google and, and follow and connect with her. And if you know anyone that maybe has been led down the garden path with SEO, or maybe they're getting all of those messages like dearest kind sirs, uh, your site could be doing much better with your SEOs then please send them this episode. Let them hear from Kate. Let them understand what it's kind of like in 2021, even though it's really not that different. But please share this episode around and make sure that uh, you get this into as many ears of people as possible. Kate, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Love it, Kim. Thank you so much. Cheers.